while your day is winding down. They're just getting started. This is South Coast Tonight with Chris McCarthy and Marcus Farrow. They've got you covered on all the news of the day, from local issues to politics on both sides of the aisle. This is the place where the movers and shakers come to be heard, to listen, and where they're held accountable. This is South Coast Tonight on WBSM. Back to South Coast tonight. I'm Marcus Farrow. Uh, Jared Valenzuela is joining me. Jared's a Republican. He's a county commissioner uh, in Plymouth County. And uh, we're talking about some national issues. We're talking about uh, who his preference was for president of the United States in the, on the, in the Republican primary. And we're going to move on to some local topics that I think I, I've been tracking for a while. And I think you've got some opinions on. One of them is this sort of new... Um, wave of town-by-town uh, town NIP bans being passed, the ban on NIPs, alcohol. You know, the little, the, if people might not know what a NIP is, little tiny bottle of alcohol. Mm-hmm. Um, a lot of people buy them in certain quantities, but they're little tiny bottles of alcohol. Um, they're being, there's bans passed town-by-town, town, um, mostly on uh, sort of environmental grounds, like... Uh, People say that there's, you know, there's a, a great deal of littering that, that is associated with nips that isn't with larger quantities of alcohol. I saw Brewster pass the nip ban uh, last week sometime. Fairhaven in their town meeting, I believe, passed the nip ban as well. That was championed by the Sustainability Committee. Um, I think Wareham over in Plymouth County might have, and I know there's, there's probably some other Plymouth County towns that have passed NIP bans. Yeah, it's it's catching on like wildfire. I think. What's your what's what's your take on it? I mean, I think there there is there is I think something to be said about keeping your town or your city, um, you know, a looking better, uh, having sure. having few having less trash, absolutely, and maybe fewer NIPs distributed means uh, less trash. Uh, what do you think? Well. What I will say is I, I've done a lot of community cleanup days. I live in Rockland. I've, I grew up there. Um, so I participated in some of our community cleanup days. And, yes, NIPs are a problem, and mm-hmm. it is a problem when you're doing those community cleanups. But I do note the irony that another major issue and item you tend to see on the side of the road are discarded lottery tickets. Yeah. I don't see those towns skewing lottery revenue from yeah. their cherry sheet from the Commonwealth and adjusting their budgets accordingly. Sure. So I, I do know the selective outrage. I, I agree it's a problem. I will say – being an environmental problem for one, of course, but an even bigger problem that it sort of invites is, well, how do these nymphs end up on the side of the road? Because somebody maybe was driving and threw them out their window. So you have people drinking and driving with them. You have people consuming them in public, thus public intoxication issues. You can't legislate uh, manners, right? At the end of the day, you're trying to legislate people who inherently don't have 
manners, right? I mean, at the end of the day, you're littering and then people like me and you, Marcus, and others are going out and doing community cleanup days and, and cleaning up their trash. Banning nips doesn't solve that problem because ultimately what happens is I've spoken with plenty of liquor store owners about this. One of the things to note is that folks who are buying nips are by and large doing so to measure their consumption, right? So folks who unfortunately have a drinking problem will buy a sleeve of nips because they feel as if they are regulating their drinking by doing so. Unfortunately, they do discard those nips on the side of the road, but if they if you ban those nips and you just let's say you ban them across the state where it just becomes unfeasible for someone to go to Rhode Island to get them. They're going to move up to buying the pints. Yeah. And then you're going to find those on the side of the road. They'll move. They, you, you're not correcting the problem at the end okay. of the day. The root problem is the individual. The nip is just the nip is an item. At the yeah, end of the yeah. day. You need to start figuring out ways to correct what the root problem is, which is the individual not talking about alcoholism because I know that's a disease, but just what makes someone want to throw that out the window. And again, something to to potentially really focus on. And, and when I worked in the legislature 10 years ago for former Senator Headland, so now the mayor of Weymouth, he did this with lottery tickets. And there's a reason why I started off with pointing out lottery tickets was a lottery had a return program. And I think they still may. If you if you manage to win a boatload of money from the Mass State Lottery, if you turn in discarded lottery tickets, you can start using that to actually um, – you can use that as a deduction against the income you earned from winning that. I think you can still do that. So someone can correct me if I'm wrong on that. But you should create some form of a mechanism where people are incentivized to not throw those items out the window. You already have it. You can have police departments pay closer attention to littering. There is still, I mean, I did a survey of the eight towns that he used to represent and and this is back in 2013. There had been one citation written for littering in those eight towns in the previous 10 years. So now we're going back 20 years. Yeah. And I would imagine if there was one written in those 10 years, I'd imagine there's probably only been one written in the last 10 years too. Start citing people for littering. And by the way, if they're throwing a nip out their car window, what were they also doing? They were also drinking and driving with an open container. I think if you start enforcing the laws that are already in place as it relates to littering and drinking and driving and public intoxication, you will start seeing that problem corrected real fast because people are going to wake up. I think it's a $100 fine for littering. People are going to wake up real fast if you're driving down the road, if, a, if an officer is driving down the road and they see someone huck a, a nip out the window – you nail them for littering. Like state highways, it could be three hundred. It could be more. Yeah. Start uh, enforcing those rules, and you don't need to ban the item because it doesn't stop littering. There's still littering. It's not gonna. I live on a main road. I water my lawn because my lawn and I have been at war for the last five years since I bought the home. Get it. Uh, and yeah. like the every time before I water, I have to pick trash up. Fly just. All sorts of. I picked up somebody's baseball, like you know, when we were kids playing little league. Yeah, right. The little <laughs> big baseball, baseball cards. It was a kid. Like, how did that end up in my front lawn? <laughs> yeah. I don't have kids. My tenants' kids do not play. They're in their twenties. Like, I'm like, where did this come? From? Yeah, right. I'm not going to advocate banning that because that trash was in my front lawn. Again, I think we have laws and rules and mechanisms in place now. Enforce the ones that are in place now, and that should start correcting the problem. Again, the, the littering one is a big one. There are laws in place for that. That could be a moneymaker for towns. I don't litter. Look, I hate taxes. That's why somebody had actually said to me before, what about doing a bottle deposit? Eh, that's, to me, another sort of tax, right, to some degree. I don't mind that because it's like if you return your bottles, you get a nickel back, fine. But, again, enforce 
the litter laws. And that could be a moneymaker for communities and for people like me that don't litter, that that hate litter, abhor it. That yeah. that I, I, it's not going to apply to me. I've never littered in my life. Uh, I'm sure, you L- don't either, Mike. L- no, littering sucks. Right. Yeah, don't don't litter. Um, but um, <laughs> littering <laughs> sucks. That's all it is. Yeah, littering. It does. You're just not citing people um, for it. That hundred that that nip that you bought for probably a couple of bucks. If you get caught throwing out the window and you get cited a hundred bucks or pulled over for DUI, yeah, you know, right. It's going to cost you. Holy, you're going to think twice about littering. Well, so. Um, and five zero eight nine nine six zero five hundred is how you can join. Uh, so you're against the nit bans. Uh, you know, one thing I, I want, I'm, I wonder if you'd respond to it. And I, I think you already have in a way, but in the town meetings, mm-hmm. they did it in Harwich. They've done it in other town meetings. They did it in Fairhaven too. They have these receptacles that are full of nips, and they're all dirty nips. And they're saying this is what we picked up in a day, or this is what we picked up in a, the amount of time right. that we had to clean it up. Um, so is it? such a persistent problem as to be sort of irredeemably irredeemable at this point and necessary to, to, to ban? No, I don't think so. Because ultimately, you could do that with, with anything. I mean, mm-hmm. NIPS is the example right now. But again, if you ban NIPS, they're going to show up with the pint bottles, with the, yeah. pint, with the pints. And be well, look at the pints that we're finding on the side of the road now. Now, obviously... You know, the nips, I mean, again, I'm presuming someone gets in their car, they crack a couple, have a couple. They're they, walking around. They, or they're thing, walking yeah. around. They're easier to conceal. Mm-hmm. Um, banning the item doesn't necessarily correct the problem because the problem is littering, right? I mean, ultimately, the issue is littering. So how do we stop people from littering? You can ban that. Again, they don't talk about banning lottery tickets, right? Because they get a lot of money from the state from lottery revenue. And I'm not banning, by no means do I advocate banning lottery tickets either. But I don't see that correct in the overall problem, which the root of it is littering. Mm-hmm. Enforce the laws that are in place now on littering. And you will see that problem corrected considerably. And again, easy money maker. Uh, an easy money maker. I mean, I was behind someone and, and there was an officer. I mean, I was behind someone that threw something out the window and there was an, an officer parked and they didn't move. Now, imagine if they moved and wrote a ticket. Mm-hmm. Again, that could be revenue for these towns. Um, it would be revenue for these communities. And it would, in my opinion, begin correcting that issue very quickly. And then the only other thing, again, I, I don't necessarily support it, but if you really wanted to do it at the state level, they could start putting a bottle deposit on nips and other items like it because you don't you don't see pepsi or coke bottles on the side of the road you don't see beer cans on the side of the road because people are picking them up and turning them in and getting that nickel back um again i don't necessarily advocate for that because i look at that as sort of a passive tax and i don't like taxes especially so how is it a tax well because am i is someone like me going to necessarily turn in my diet coke bottle or a beer can no i usually don't Right. That's right. an effort that I don't feel like undertake. I mean, I don't drink anymore, but when I was, yeah, right. that's just an effort I don't feel like undertaking. So that is by and large a tax on top of the fact that I'm already paying a built in excise tax on that product to begin with the alcohol. Right. I mean, there's there's no sales tax on it. Thankfully, we repealed that. But there is a built in excise tax on that product to begin with. It's already baked into the price. So as far as I'm concerned, you're just layering another tax on it. Um, that would correct the problem, though, because then people would pick up nip bottles and turn them in. But I don't think you necessarily need to go that route. You can go the route of enforcing the laws that are in place. And look, it, increase it. Make it make it a $1,000 fine. Make it a $500 fine. 
make it a surchargeable offense if you get caught throwing out your window. I mean, there are, there are many ways. Surchargeable offense. offense. Yeah, there so, are many ways you so can deter for littering. People, for people who don't know, surchargeable offenses <laughs> oh, are, that's, yeah. That's the big one. <laughs> are something that could carry a surcharge on your car insurance. Mm-hmm. If you were to get three surchargeable offenses in a two or three year period, yep. you have to take an eight hour course. Yes. And, uh, and you have to sit there all day and you have to take a test at the end of that, at the end of the day. And you have to get like, I think like a B plus oh, yeah. on it or something yeah. like that. And if you it's get enough, if you get enough surchargeable offenses, then there's like suspensions that kick in and stuff like that. So that would be a serious, serious, um, it could be a deterrent. Oh, I think it would. But again, you're also getting caught though. This is the, the caveat I give. You're also getting caught throwing an alcohol. Yeah. You're getting caught throwing an alcoholic beverage out your car window. <laughs> Well, <laughs> if you're doing it while driving, which yeah. I believe a lot of people are, they're putting it in their coffee or they're putting it in their Yeti. This is water. You can test it if you'd like. Um, but they're putting it in there. They're putting it in their travel. Um, they're putting it in their travel. Uh, uh, you know, they, they're traveling. They're driving. They're putting it in their travel cups. Jeez, it took me too long to get to that word. They're putting it in their travel cups, and then they're throwing it out the window because they figure, of course, no, no and they're, they're wrong. I mean, a police officer would have to have reasonable doubt to want to confirm that that's alcohol in there, right? So yeah. if they see an empty nip bottle on the car floor, they know, huh, they know it's probably alcohol in there. But, again, you throw it out the window, you can pull them over for littering. And then you might also have reasonable doubt for a, a, an OUI, right? So, I mean, there are laws that are in place that can be enforced and should be enforced. The most basic one, again, I'll harken all the way back to enforce the littering laws, increase the fine, increase the penalty, make them stiff for penalties. And, yes, to that end, Mark, you're absolutely right. If it went in, became a surchargeable offense, you will see people stop that. Look. People that flick cigarette butts out the window, same thing. Yeah. Same thing. I mean, that's disgusting. It's littering, right? You want to smoke, fine. Smoke in your car, put it on your car, throw it out, figure out a way. I know most cars, I guess, don't get, you know, made with ashtrays anymore, but like, figure, figure it out. I like people that flick cigarettes out the window. Again, I hate littering. It's abhorrent. Um, but there are laws in place and you can, easily enforce those laws that are currently on the books and it would be a revenue generator for our towns and for the commonwealth so i i i would i would increase the littering fine and and start enforcing it more zealously than it has been again i did that survey 10 years ago there was one written in 10 years i guarantee if you did a survey of the area how many communities have written Littering citations, it would number in the very low single digits. 508-996-0500. We can take your message on the app chat. We've got some messages. Uh, someone's asking what uh, you think of um, straw bans, a uh, ban on plastic straws. Dislike them. I well, think it's interesting. Sorry to if interrupt there's you. A, if there's, here's my thing on, 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 the, on the straw thing. Um, those cardboard straws... Uh, they're not great. Mm-hmm, right. uh, I don't like them. A lot of people don't. Is it like if straws are so environmentally toxic as to like this is a compromise we have to make for uh, a cleaner environment? Um, you know, a uh, that doesn't you know not to to not jeopardize the 
um, marine life, especially in an area like this. It's, I think it's one that's reasonable to make. But if there is, I mean, I think if there's a sustainable, I think if there's a sustainable option, um, I feel like that's, I think I, I'm okay with it. So I don't disagree. But again, a straw ban, plastic straw ban holds for me the same principle of the nip ban. You can ban plastic straws, but you're not correcting the main root of the problem, which is bad behavior on the part of the individual. Yeah. And and you can ban all sorts of things all you'd like. You're still not correcting the problem. When it comes to straws, though, to the environmental part, and you're right, and there's, again, penalties for dumping in the ocean that, again, need to be enforced. I know it's a lot harder. I mean, obviously, <laughs> boat goes out. It's going to be very hard to track those. But again, like, you know, pleasure boats, people that are hanging out in our harbors, hanging on the bays, like, you can enforce those rules and regulations again more on the water as well. Um, but again, banning things doesn't correct bad behavior. When it, oh, The other thing with the straws, with plastic straws, is, well, how do we make paper straws? And I recall there are times where we got to save trees, right? Because trees, so now we need to chop down more trees to make more paper products. So like, to me, there's, there needs to be a balance. I think creating a plastic straw, we have the technology to be able to do that in an environmentally friendly way. And again, we have laws that are already in place to enforce people from behaving poorly when it comes to littering. Enforce those laws. Enforce those rules. So 508-996-0500 is how you can join us. Someone asked actually this. Uh, someone message asked me this, and it's actually a problem I ran into. Not a problem. It's not like it's okay. It's not a problem, but... Um, it could be for some people. I went to the grocery store uh, to do some uh, shopping for like a, a tiny little Mother's Day cookout mm-hmm. that um, that we had. And um, there was – I spent a decent amount of money there, like over $100, right? Mm-hmm. And I get to the end. Now, I need to carry my groceries out. Right, right. <laughs> I need right. – I, 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 can't, I can't carry them out in my hands. Uh, and I, you know, I can put them in the shopping cart, I guess, and, and bring them to the car and then bring them back into the house. But how am I going to do that? Right. right. The, the whole thing is, yeah, it's, I need a bag. And so I get to, I get to the counter and the, the, the cashier at Stop and Shop, um, and I work that job. Uh, it's it's an unfortunate job in a lot of respects. It's not a bad job. I mean, a lot of people do it and they do it well and they do it for a long time. But it can be an unfortunate job in some respects. Is you're taking everybody is frustrated because they've had to spend X amount of dollars at the store. Right. It's all your fault. Right. right. Exactly. <laughs> it's all your fault. We are the last line. I worked at Stop yeah. and Shop too for high school and college. Right. I'll you're never the forget, last line. I will never forget. Actually, I worked at the Stop and Shop over here in Fairhaven, right right across the parking yep. lot when I was 19. And so I was there. I've been there for a while. I had the, you have these massive grocery orders in some respects, right? Especially in the summer when people oh, are doing sure. cookout, cookouts. Yeah. So I'm scanning this guy's massive order, right? And so he's, I guess he's holding out his stop and shop card, but I don't know that because I'm, I'm working, right? And so I'm scanning the groceries and he goes, what are you going to leave me standing here with a card all day? <laughs> I'm like, I turn, I, 
wanted to hit him. Love it. <laughs> I was just like, I was like, are you kidding me? Right. And so then I take it and I just, I scan it and I give it back to him. And then I just keep, and I just tell, he was like, see, but I just, I saw him after he did that thing. You know, you get, he, someone's mad. They like clench their hands right, together. Right. Oh yeah. He had a bad day and he just took it out on me, right? He's having a bad yeah, day. Totally. He was upset about something, but it was all my fault. Of course. I, I left him standing there with the card. All day, right? right? And so it's not like the order was finished. I mean, yeah. I used to have customers I loved to get get scanned at the end so I could watch everything drop off, like watch the price drop down. Oh, they love so a lot of people that love, that love that. Yeah, they they so you, they wait and they give the card and you see all the savings. Right. Yeah, yeah, yeah. It's it's um. I used to be I used to be able to do like five. Like I used to have some. Un- I used to be a very fast cashier. Like I could just scan like nobody's business. It's once you get into a rhythm, right? It, it, it can and yeah. like four oh one one still the PLU yeah, for bananas. bananas. Yeah, I remember that. Yeah, of course. I'll um, never forget that. I'm not one for small talk, but if I ever am in the mood for small talk with a cashier, I'm like it's four oh one one still bananas. Like, oh yeah, yeah. Like, always yeah, has right. been, always will be. So um, that was quite the tangent. Yeah, and I'm impressed. It took us ninety minutes to go off on one. Yeah, <laughs> I know it was a tangent. <laughs> I, I so so the point. I plastic was, bags. The, ba- the yeah. bags. Well, it wasn't even plastic. Right. I don't even do plastic bags anymore, which I actually don't care about. It's fine for me. I can carry. Yeah, I can I carry. carry. It's fine for me. I'm 34 and I can carry bags, right? right. So um, I can, you know, the paper bags, I can just hold them in my arms. Right. It might be harder for some people that need the handles. And, you know, there's always the consideration of the, the paper bags aren't as um, aren't as strong. Right. And so there's, you know, the, an opportunity for, for those to rip. I always and then, preferred paper. Like, yeah, I don't mind like paper. when I do grocery shop. I generally try for paper. Here's my thing: if I have the option, I'm going to go for paper um, too because uh, the paper bag also serves as a cat toy um, uh, for my yes. cat. So okay. yeah, I exactly. empty the paper bag, I throw it on the floor, and she'll just run in the run into it. And that's Naturally. like that's like her the biggest entertainment that, that that she'll need for a while until. <laughs> She wants me to throw a tinfoil ball around or something. <laughs> and so, yeah, I have to keep a stash at my desk when I'm working. I, you know, of course. Like, when I'm working, I, you know, I'm, I'm you know, she just run it so she'll like meow in my face, and I'm right. just like, all right, here, here's a tinfoil ball, and I throw it across the room. Of course, but um, again, a tangent. Uh, but I get to the, I, I spent a good amount of money. Um, I get to the counter, and the cashier says to me, "Well, uh, did you bring your bat own bags?" I'm like. No, you don't have bags here, and they're like, "No, we charge for bags now." I'm like, "Really? really? Okay." And wow. then I was like, "That's ten, a European thing." Ten cents for paper bag, which isn't bad, but if you want the reusable bags, which are significantly better, oh yes, ninety nine cents. Yeah. So I'm like, oh, you know yeah. what? Just give me five of those. Give, give me five of those paper bags. Uh, those reusable, reusable bags, bags, and I'll just throw them in and I'll carry them out. The reusable bags that ironically were banned from use during COVID because you're bringing them in and out of the house and you who, who knows what could be carried in them. And I know you remember this, but there would be occasions where I'd be bagging some of those folks' reusable bags. Like people, I mean, they were bringing them in when we were working there all those oh, yeah. years ago. And yes. like you look at the bottom of those and yeah. I know. Clean your reusable bags, folks. Yeah, this is your especially PSA the, for the, the, the freezer bags too. Yeah, and you put meat yeah. and stuff in them. And oh, yeah, yeah. yeah, clean those bags. Like but, I would look at those and be like, yeah, I would rather. What's more detrimental to my health, the plastic bag or that reusable bag? Most of the time, it was that reusable bag. But and I and I get kind of it's. 
it doesn't feel to me that Stop and Shop was trying to is trying to incentivize people to bring in their own bags. That doesn't feel like what it is to me. It feels like a way for Stop and Shop to use environmentalism oh, as a front yes. <laughs> to make more money. Well, that too, of course. <laughs> Naturally, and, that. And I, I kind of walked. I kind of walked out. Um, you know, just sort of in my head, just you know, uh, like with some. Sort of, uh, you know, I, 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 my, I went to a sort of, uh, I went to a Marxist train of thought and I said, <laughs> this, I'm, I, I've come to the conclusion based on this interaction that, uh, capitalism and environmentalism are mutually exclusive. Yeah. But, <laughs> but in that one instance, you may have found it. Yeah. So when I, Marxism gets used for capitalism. So, so, um, yeah. So I, I don't know. I, I think for, for me, it's fine. I'm, I'm okay with it. Like, I'm, it's fine. It's never, it's never going to hurt. It's not going to hurt me now, right? It's never going to hurt me. I'm, right. I'm, I'm, I'm okay. I have a good, good career. I, I do well. I, I can, I can afford the 10 cent bags. <laughs> right. But for a lot of people, especially people who budget down to the penny their groceries and right. you know, working at Stomp and Shop. Oh, yes. There are people that budget down to the penny for their groceries because oh, yeah. they have to. Yeah. Um, it, 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 it can actually become, I think, a fairly untenable position. It can. And, you know, it's interesting, again, when we talk about a lot of the folks that sort of push these things, they, on the one hand, push these things that increase the cost for low, low and middle income folks, while simultaneously talking about how they are for low and middle income folks, yeah. right? So there's sort of the ironic double speak position there for where I just like to note the irony, which is why, again, I generally don't support ever really banning anything because yeah. ultimately, while I abhor the bad behavior it's the bad behavior and again there's ways again to keep plastic bags and straws out of our rivers and streams and our oceans and harbors and lakes we have a way of doing that we need to be better at enforcing the way of doing that and and i don't think we are banning that item and and again back to the straw question weren't we at one point i may remember growing up or it's always cyclical with these things it feels like Weren't we talking about preserving trees? We need to save trees. We can't keep cutting down trees. Trees are not finite. Okay, fine. I agree. So we need to limit our use of paper, recycling and recycle paper and don't print that email if you can avoid it. But now we're going to turn trees into straws. Yeah. (laughs) That disintegrate in your drink after a while and you end up using more. Look, if I go out and I have a drink with a plastic straw, I use one straw. I don't use two. Sometimes it's, nope, save the straw. I use one straw, one plastic straw for the entire night. But if you're giving me a paper straw, well, that thing disintegrates after a while. You need to keep giving me those paper straws. So, and again, I only drink water now when I go out. But like, again, like it just, it's, it, it's always a solution in search of a problem when we already have the solution in place. Enforce your littering laws. Let's take a break. Okay. So welcome back. Uh, I want to talk about immigration. It's a hot topic on Friday night um, when Chris and I were, were talking about it. And uh, it's still a hot topic today, I think, because Title 42 was just lifted. Title 42 was um, – it's an old law, but it was instituted – it was implemented during the Trump administration, um, I think, using the guise of public health to keep migrants uh, out of the country, um, basically uh, an enforcement of the stay in Mexico policy. The Biden administration did carry it. Um, over for for some time, much to the I think dismay of a lot of immigration activists, it's been lifted, and so there will be I think an increase. And I think there already has been an increase of migrants coming through um, the southern border, in particular, considerably, considerably. Jared, 
what do you think about this new development? I think it's unfortunate. I think there's I think there's a real problem at the southern border, Marcus. And I, I'll just share a story anecdotally. Um, again, back to being on the National Committee for the Young Republicans, our meeting last spring, so not the one I was at in Cleveland a few weeks ago, but last year, 2022, was in Scottsdale. And um, the contingent I went out with, the chair, the National Committee woman and I, um, decided to stay a few more days after the conference because it's, it's Arizona. It's beautiful, right? Scottsdale, Phoenix area. Uh, drove out to Sedona. So at any rate, one of the things that we talked about doing was taking a drive to the border just to see what's going on at the border. Also, so I could check a box and say, well, I've been to Mexico. You know, put my hand through the fence or wall, whatever it might be at that part of the border and say, hey, I've been to Mexico. Uh, not actually cross over into Mexico. Uh, I, didn't, I don't even think I brought my passport. At any rate, we scrapped that plan because we, we had a congressman that spoke to us, an Arizona congressman, Andy Biggs, who I know is on the Hobby Car program a lot. And he gave a speech about the last one of the last times he went to the border. And when he got there, there was a woman uh, that had been, you know, not arrested. She was just sitting on the side of the road. She was zip tied. It was sort of like they were processing what was going on with her. And she had a big bag of pills on her lap. And he approached her and he asked her, you know, he said, well, what, are, what are the drugs for? And she goes, well, those, those are morning after pills. He goes, why do you have so many morning after pills? And her response was, when the cartel rapes me, I take morning after pill. Yikes. And that's what I, that's what I do. Yeah. There is a serious problem at our southern border, and that's a human problem, right? This needs to be addressed, and this needs to be addressed by lawmakers from both parties figuring out what the solution is. There is an influx of migrants, and I've had this conversation before. I'm unaware. I mean, the definition of a migrant and a refugee is someone who is seeking shelter in another nation because they are in danger based on a political climate from the country they're coming from, right? Mm -hmm. If the United States, you know, say the United States was a third world dictatorship, I shouldn't say that term, but it's a dictatorship, right? It it flipped and the Democrats are rounding up Republicans. I'm going to flee, right? Uh, I'm going to flee. I'm going to go to another country and that country lets me in. That's that's giving me refugee status because the political conditions changed in that country. Uh, I am unaware. Again, I mean, I'm unaware of where a lot of them are coming from. It seems like Central and South America. Uh, It seems like a lot of them are coming from countries like Brazil or Venezuela. Venezuela certainly had a massive change, um, but that was a democratically elected government. The the voters made the choice in those countries. I'm I'm not seeing, for me, where the issue – let me rephrase this. I'm not seeing – you're not seeing an example of like this is an extreme one. Jews fleeing Nazism, like that. That's not what's happening in these countries. Like the the political conditions have changed. There's and, the Hitler reference for the evening, and they're finding their <laughs> way. But I mean, that those types of conditions aren't existent in those countries. Uh, you know what though? I it's not. So here's the thing. Um, at least on the numbers that it is, because there's no a lot of these countries. There's no common tie that binds Ni- these Nicar- a lot of these folks. I, I disagree. Nicaragua, Venezuela, um, Honduras, most of the Central American countries do have, uh, I think, a, a, a common thread, and it's that a lot of the political upheaval and turmoil is a direct result of U.S. policy, and so we are meddling in the affairs. In some cases, Venezuela is. They did have elections. Um, they did have election. They did have an election. They elected Nicolas Maduro. They elected um, Hugo Chavez before him. Um, obviously, not model 
I think, elected officials. And we'll take your calls. We see them on the line at 508-996-0500. But remember, we just decided to go to Venezuela and say, hey, uh, this guy, um, Juan Gallego, that you've never heard of, he's your president now. We're going to recognize him as your president. He lost the election, but he's your president now. And so we've done that in, I think, countless other countries. Banana Republics obviously comes from a term of, uh, you know, overthrowing governments to make them more amenable to invitation uh, invitation for the United Fruit Company, um, an American company, right. because the fertile was soil for bananas. So yeah. it seems to me for in a lot of this rhetoric around, oh, why don't you go back to your own country and all this? Why don't you try to make it better? Um, it, it seems to me that, like, it's sort of, it, I think it's reprehensible in the sense that, you know, we're the ones I think that are most directly responsible for a lot of the political conditions there. And then we're creating this chaos and then telling them to go back to their country. We we don't have the house for him here. Listen, Jared, we'll take your point mm-hmm. after this call. Good evening. Hello. Hello. Hey. Hi. What's up? You're yeah, talking about the uh, immigration. Yeah. It's close to home. Yeah. You know, I'm a Taunton resident and uh, we received 130 families. At the uh, used to be the Holiday Inn in Taunton up in the yes. industrial park. Yeah, it's probably a seven or eight story high hotel. Yep. And uh, anyway, 130 families. I guess the multiplier would be what three or four. So I'm talking about 600 folks, but they're families, and uh, uh, you know that's a good thing. They're not uh, not lone wolves. They're people that need help. But I don't know if we can absorb, uh, you know all at once uh, and there seems to be no plan from the governor's office but the, the but the state actually put located them in time um the thing is is that uh, i hope we don't get drastic like new york who is evicting veterans um down in right. veterans from their apartments <laughs> circumventing the uh the procedure and when you don't have a veteran doesn't have an apartment or residence Receive no benefits. Not only homeless, dead, broke, no penny, no nickel, no dime. So um, I hope we don't go to that extreme. I don't know what the governor has, uh, and you know, set up or anything. But uh, these Haitian families, uh, they're they're in desperate. Uh, they're in really tough shape. So let's help them. But I see Mexico today sent a hundred and uh, thirty immigrants. They're not. They're not wholesale the, booting the the veterans, aren't they? Rehoming. The, aren't they aren't they giving them other accommodations? I don't think they're saying like, "Hey, or here's a cardboard box." In go New live York, there. no. In New York, they're not offering them nothing but the street. Mm. It's up to the veterans department to uh, pick them up, but the veterans can't department cannot handle any uh, benefit money. In plain English, no money, no residence. You belong to the, you belong to the stars on the ground that you're sleeping on. You have to have a residence to receive benefits. That's true in Massachusetts. Uh, you got to have a. If you don't have a residence, you don't get. But you get your health benefits and things, but you don't get any kind of a check to live on. Right. So this is the situation now, where uh, people who, <laughs> if you're a veteran, be careful who's knocking on your door. They might tell you to get the hell out. I'm just hoping it don't happen here in Massachusetts, like it is in New York, and I don't mean just New York City. All over. Yeah, that was in the Hudson Valley, I think. Yeah, I thought they were moving them to another uh, place. I didn't think they were kicking them out. But um, I don't think it's an either-or proposition either. I I don't think it's, you know, veterans or immigrants, pick one. Who do you want to help? 
Well, that's just it. You know, there's only so many in the boat, like the Titanic. You want the women and children to have the boat, or are you going to throw some of them over? Because there's some VIPs that like to uh, survive. Well, I, and I think that's what it is. If you got the wrong zip code, you're going to get you're going to get an influx disproportionate to um, uh, wealthy um, areas. And I'm not going to get into mentioning what those are. Uh, is being it, uh, but uh, yeah, the long and the short of it is, um, I think it's going to go down to uh, zip codes. If you got a bad zip code, be ready for an influx. Hey, what's a bad zip code? Are you in a bad zip code? Taunton isn't the greatest zip code, 02780. Um, not a good zip code. We're probably going to get an influx. But that's because we're, uh, you know, we're who we are. We're not swamps, we're not Martha's Bing, et cetera. Those are untouchable areas, as we've seen what happened in Martha's Bing. Well, I think that's a mischaracterization of what happened. Okay, it's a mischaracterization. Where, where were those uh, Venezuelans? They were uh, what? They were put in a military f- base? Funny, funny. By the national... Yeah, because they, they, yeah, because Martha's Vineyard as an island didn't have the wraparound services that you, you do in the mainland. But um, one of the one of the um, yeah, in this weather though, they get accommodate all immigrant I, workers all summer long. I spoke well in the hundreds. I actually spoke with uh, on the air here on South Coast Night. I spoke with the state senator from the Cape and Islands, Julian Sear. Very shortly after, oh, the, very after, uh, shortly after, uh, and thanks for the call. I appreciate it. Uh, very shortly after, um, uh, Ron DeSantis had trafficked the migrants up here and, and just, uh, dumped them, uh, in Edgar Town. Traffic. Traffic. Yeah. Yeah. If you, if you, um, if you <clears throat> induce people into, uh, if you trick people into getting on a plane and flying them somewhere and you don't bring them to the place that they said they wanted to go, even if you did, that's trafficking. So, um, so, so when he, after he trafficked them here, uh, yeah, they, they quickly moved them to Otis Air Force Base, but I know that for a fact, and this is true, you know this too, that a lot of the, a lot of the immigration, um, a lot of the immigra- uh, a lot of the, uh, a lot of the labor in this, especially in the summer on the Cape and Islands is, is totally buttressed by, and, and supported by migrant labor. Um, the hospitality industry in the Cape, especially in the summer, would not survive without migrant labor. Um, and so actually there's a, there's a, there's a number of those migrants, uh, according to senators here that are actually coming back to the island this summer sure. for a job and living accommodations. Sure. I think there's a couple of things to unpack though, Marcus, and back to, you know, before the caller. I think there's two different things. Obviously I'm aware and, and aware of the hit American foreign policy and, and not naive to the fact that our foreign policy had led to a lot of the conditions in those Central and South American nations being less than ideal or favorable. But that being said, a lot of the examples you use, United Fruit, I mean, that's going back how many years? 50, 60, 70, 80 years? I mean, that is that, I don't even think that company exists anymore. So, so that they're Chiquita, they're, they're Chiquita now. Right. But the bottom line is, but the point I think that I, I'm wanting to make here is, those conditions have led to making those countries less than ideal places to live. But that said, we all live in less than ideal conditions sometimes. And obviously the United States is the greatest country in the world where, where there's more opportunity than, than most other nations. Mm-hmm. That said though. I'm not so sure about that either. But well, sure. I, it's better than Nicaragua. I still, right. I, Honduras, I, I sure. still believe that, that the United States offers the best opportunities 
for socioeconomic growth. For some, it is easier than others, of course. But that said, all that aside, because where you live may not be ideal, it does not equate to you are a political enemy of the state and you and your family are going to be rounded up and exterminated by the state. That is, those are two totally different things. And what I'm noting here is what is existent is for a lot of these folks, it feels like I live in a unfortunate – I live in a country I don't like living in. I don't want to go through the proper channels to legally immigrate to the United States, so I'm going to show up on their doorstep. Uh- the thing is, is that one. I think it's a. I think it's a, a euphemistic to say I don't. They don't like to live in the country, but um, the, they they have to make an intrepid uh, up through a lot of times, oftentimes on foot up through, um, up through the Central America, through Mexico, and uh, which you know, aside aside from the natural dangers of of walking through Mexico, right? And how many of those folks are being trafficked? Because I think a lot of them are being they, trafficked as well. Well, it's one of those things too, because of our it's it's kind of a similar uh, thing like prohibition, right? Or or even pro, uh, the drug war, us um, delegitimizing a certain area of public concern has created an industry uh, where crime is allowed to flourish if we had better immigration laws if we were if we were easier if it were easier to migrate to this country we've made it harder over over the years if it were easier then we would not there wouldn't be the need for coyotes but why does it need to to but why does it need to be easier well, because one, I, I certainly understand the the economics of it. Well, that's that's one not, of the reasons, right? Right, and it is, and yeah, that's, and that's fine. But but my, but but as far as I can, de, de, as far as I understand, I think the present policy certainly. And look, I guess, and this gets back to what I said at the top. I think both sides really need to come to put their heads together on finding a solution to this problem. If there isn't enough of if there aren't enough workers to do the jobs that these migrants will do, then create immigration, legal immigration channels to bring them into the country yes. to do those to do those Correct. jobs. Yeah, that's what, what we haven't done. Right, and we haven't for many years. What's happening at the border in no way, though, reflects the economic need. Like, those are two... I think we could correct a lot of the issues at the border if we address the economics of it through policy. Yeah, I mean, look, six of my and changed eight, our foreign policy. Right, too. six of my eight great grandparents sailed on boats from Italy to this country, and I knew mm-hmm. one of them, and she told me her story. So I'm not anti-immigration by any stretch of the imagination, and I certainly agree that we need to to address it at a policy level. However, what I think is occurring at the border is an influx of migrants that are being potentially given a false hope and a false idea of what is going to happen when they get here, and it's doing them a disservice as well. I don't think it necessarily has as much to do with what our foreign policy was during the Cold War, because obviously all that policy What is it now? It's not like we're not... Well... Like we got a hands-off policy in Central America, especially with a lot of the resources we want to exploit. What does Venezuela have that we want? Oil. Yeah, exactly. Naturally. Exactly. Um, but that being well, and I again, it gets back to where I think our foreign policy was was and has been poor. But again, I make the Cold War reference because a lot of the foreign policy decisions that were made in Central and South America were framed of were framed by keeping communism out of our sphere of influence. That's sort of what the framing was 
up until the framing. the collapse of the Soviet Union. Now, obviously, the economics and, the, of course, the economics as well. So, look, if there is if there are industries that are lacking in migrant workers and there needs to be honest conversations about creating legislation to address that shortage. And again, but that can't be done as far as I'm concerned, addressing that issue and increasing quotas that can't be done until we address strengthening security at the Southern border. One has to happen with the other. We're going to take a break. We'll be right back. 1420 WBSM can now be heard on 99.5 FM. Our connections make powerful things happen, uniting individuals and communities. We are Rotary. We are people of action. With over 1 million members, we know what people can do when they come together. Around the world, generations of leaders build new friendships and solve problems, turning great ideas into reality. Take action with us. Find out more at rotary.org slash action. WBSM isn't just a broadcast. It's also a podcast. Get all of our podcasts at WBSM.com, the WBSM app, or just search WBSM on your favorite podcast provider. To your point about something being done about immigration, Chris and I spoke with Congressman Bill Keating a while back, shortly after Ron DeSantis trafficked migrants up here. And... um and he had just had dinner with uh, Mark Senators Mark Warner and, Warner, uh, Warner and Chris Coons, and so they called in afterwards. And like they said, they one of the conversations they had was talking about getting something done on immigration. Now I like Congressman Keating a lot. I, I think he does good work in Congress. I think he's good for the district. But um, after the interview, when they talked about that. You know, they talk about how it's important the labor market and all of that. In Massachusetts, it's particularly important. We need more. We actually need more migrants in Massachusetts for the labor market. But um, I said to Chris, I said nothing's going to get done. We've been hearing this for years, and even though this sort of maybe started a conversation, which was the argument that there were people are making in, in favor of DeSantis, I haven't heard a single thing, a single policy, a single realistic bill being proposed that would do anything to 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 solve the 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 crisis of our immigration policy you know it's interesting though and i will say this i i think for me as a republican i mean i i'm i believe in law and order so if you want to immigrate here my family immigrated here legally that there was a process there was a system in place certainly it's a lot more difficult now it is every airport is a border i mean Mm -hmm. every international airport is a border Right. You know, people could come in, they come in on a visa, they oversee their visa. So it's not like this is a Hispanic only matter. I mean, a lot of Irish folks immigrate here illegally and have. So I don't mean to pick on the Irish, but my and, point. And, and half of them fly in in any way. Fly and in and stay. Expire. That's yeah. the point. Their yeah, visas yeah, yeah. expire and they stay. So immigration overall isn't just a southern border issue. But the, but the, but the point for me as a Republican is a lot of these folks, especially Hispanics, tend to actually be a little bit more conservative. They tend to be Catholic. They tend to be more religious. Yeah. So, like, for some reason, Republicans, I, true, I think, yeah. like, go hardo on this. Yes, again, I do, too, because I believe in law and order and I believe in following the rules. But, you know, if you engage them, because I think the biggest fear is they become Democrat voters. It's like, well, no, you know, if we actually put the effort into engaging them, like, Ron DeSantis has done so in Florida, especially with, with the Cuban population in Miami, they can 